Welcome back to The Wine Show. You're with Jill Upton and we are in the stunning South Burnett region and the sub-region of the Baramba Valley. And uh, I'm here with Joe Prendergast, who's going to tell us the story of this fabulous uh, property called Dusty Hill. Joe, thank you for joining me. How are you? Very well. Good. So Joe, tell us your story. Your background, your Irish, your family, your family uh, bought a couple of, of, of 50 acres here called Dusty Hill where there was literally nothing but it was a dusty hill and all of a sudden now you're, you're building these multi-million dollar developments and putting an enormous amount of money back into the community. Where, where did all these ideas come from? Uh, so I left school at 14. Uh, my dad was a builder, mum was in childcare and they actually had three childcare centres at Budrum and they came out and bought this small property to, to just do a little getaway and a vineyard sort of weekend retreat for themselves. Uh, I got right into the agricultural side of things and um, started doing the plantings and the picture just got bigger and bigger so we went from doing five acres of grapes the first year or plantings to 12 acres to another five the following year uh, and then in early 2000 we opened the cellar door which was in a, a, a look-alike old chapel or church school building uh, uh, all new, so we, we built that, um, built all these things from scratch. So Dad's expertise was um, old old buildings and, and done a lot of renovations in Victoria uh, on old buildings and things like that. And so we uh, we've decided to make this the whole of Dusty Hill look like a little village or a township almost. And so there's only been one building we've brought in from elsewhere. Otherwise, everything's been built new but made to look old. Uh, so yeah, we opened the cellar door, and for the first few years here, unbelievable. The, the, you know, the visitation was amazing. Uh, soon, soon there was, I think, up to 15 cellar door outlets in the region, uh, and uh, then the wine glut hit. Dan Murphy's got to Queensland, BWS, all the big bottle shops, and uh, and the clean skin wine movement. Uh, and things change from going, oh, I met the winemaker to I found this $5 bottle of wine that's normally mm. 40 and that was the story at barbecues and dinner parties and things like that. Mm. So we had to look sort of sideways and Dusty Hill almost basically closed uh, and the, the hotel in Gamari, I'd always dreamed of owning a pub at a younger age and I was only 23 at the time and mum and dad backed me on buying the hotel in town and I renovated that um, and uh, opened you know the bistro and that sort of thing and then opened a fine dining restaurant in there sort of more focused around wine again and realized how how the bistro side of food was was bringing people in mm. uh, more inclusive you know not everyone wants to sit down for fine dining meals you know so just good quality hotel or pub food sure. um, was a bit of a winner so we decided to um, renovate the existing cafe on the vineyard into an Irish pub that's the family heritage and uh, there's not a lot of Irish cuisine so we uh, we've pulled a little bit from uh, England and that sort of thing as well but um, yeah just good solid pub food uh, anyway the custom was amazing you know, just people it just got busier and busier and uh, we've decided now to, um, to do some more development. And we're in the process of just starting to get a few plans together to build some more accommodation and things like that. Uh, and that was when COVID hit. Mm. Um, second week into COVID, I was on a roof, repairing a roof. And uh, I rolled my ankle, I've done it several times, an old rugby injury. And I finished up having a full ankle reconstruction. It was on my back for months. Uh, my cousin rang me in that period and said, uh, 
hey, there's a lot of government money floating around because of COVID and, um, and getting things back on track. And one of them was the um, Tourism Infrastructure Grant, mm. which was a state government fund. And we put in for that and um, we finished up, um, we asked for $5 million as, as a part of a $7.5 million development. And we finished up through a lot of different processes, uh, got offered $2.25 million. And you go back and then negotiate what you would build for that. Um, we decided the way business was going after restrictions had opened, that we would still go through with the whole project. Mm. Um, so we're basically building the whole project, slightly smaller than what, what was originally, but yeah, pretty much the same. So it'll be, be somewhere around a six and a half million dollar project. Um, it's a pretty big project. Yeah, yeah. So we've got, um, by the end of this year, we should have accommodation on site for 66 people. Uh, so anything from one bedroom cottages right up to three and four bedroom houses, things like that. Uh, there's one 10 room motel that will look like old red brick stables. Uh, we'll have a finished building to house a brewery and distillery, mm. uh, which won't be operational straight away, and also another 200 or 250 seat restaurant wow. uh, and tasting area for wine and spirits and beer and things like that. So, so it's, it's a perfect area for weddings and conferences and events. I'm assuming that you're, you're getting a very busy calendar with those. Yeah, we've um, we renovated just prior to COVID. We'd renovated an old barn here into into our wedding venue so that seats up to 150 people uh, and we actually had I think we had about 27 weddings booked for that year when it opened uh, mm. we did three and then were shut down because yeah. of COVID that was I can still remember that feeling to this day I was sitting down with my wife actually having a, a wine watching a movie yeah. and um, one of our staff texted us and said are you watching the news and we said no no we're chilling out watching a movie you know and she said, well, I think you should. So oh, I'll flick over and, you know, I thought it might be a version of Twin Towers again or something like that. And uh, it felt like that to us, I tell you. And uh, overnight, we were, by two o'clock the next day, we had to shut two of our businesses. The winery is actually a hotel license plus mm. the hotel in town. And then we modified, we've got a bakery in town, a French patisserie in, in Gamari as well. And uh, we modified that into takeaway only. Um, and we managed to keep all our staff working. Uh, JobKeeper obviously helped. I think that was mm. a great initiative by the government. Um, and yeah, as restrictions opened, we quickly got on board with every different change and, and that sort of thing. A lot of it through liquor licensing or Queensland Health and, mm. and just kept opening. And uh, business has never been busier. We were already on the incline, but it's just dramatically jumped uh, further. So again, we pushed ahead with the project and um, by the end of this year, we should have that all finished. and. Um, and open. Well, it's very exciting. And look, you obviously fell on your feet very, very easily, but I don't think that's all just luck, is it? I'd say you've got a very good business head on your building body. I think my parents always said the lift to success is usually out of order, try the stairs. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think with anything, it's just hard work. And sure. so, and not only us, our team, you know, uh, we've got 50, 50 staff members now and, and everyone works hard and, and puts in a lot of effort. And I think, COVID was an interesting thing because it, um, I think they realised that, you know, one of the points I said, you know, worse comes to worse and we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, if worse comes to worse, we could all live at Dusty Hill. We had heaps of wine, we had heaps of flour, we could eat bread, drink mm -hmm. wine and probably have a better life than we do now, you know. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. There are always silver linings. So, so you have, just going back to the building, so you've got the Dusty Hill property here. And uh, and you've got in Goom in Gumeri you have 
another pub and you've got a bakery. So you're running all those businesses. How many people do you employ in total? Uh, so we're at 50 at the moment. We're at 50 at the moment. And let's say in the next 12 months, uh, once these developments are actually finished, uh, what do you expect? Well, thinking somewhere between 70 and 80, I would say. So, so yeah. you're definitely a patron in this, in this region, aren't you? Yeah, um, we're getting up towards you know, being one of the bigger employers. Uh, there's a couple of bigger places like Swickers and the Tannery and things like that, but we're, we're certainly up there. We might be in the top 10 or something like that for employment in the region. So. And when it came to obviously re receiving the grant of 2.25 million, uh, which is sensational, and you've, you obviously have, have matched that back, you mentioned it's around probably a $6 million um, uh, investment in total when we've previously spoken. Mm. How much of that do you think you're actually putting back into the community? So about the only product that we haven't bought locally or use local trades would be the bricks that we're using. So we're using a Federation soft red brick and there's nothing in Queensland you can buy like it. Mm. Nothing even in Australia. So it's an Australian company that has a factory in India, uh, mainly because of all the different um, coloured clays they've got sure. and so it's a, basically a brick that you would use uh, in, in a lot of South Australian buildings, Victorian things like that but that's soft federation brick. They, they do about 30 million bricks a year, wow. uh, the Elephant Brick Co and a lot go into the UK and into Australia for renovations and, and new builds. Um, we sort of took a lot of inspiration from some buildings around Salamanca Place, um, even mm. things like Shadow Tanunda, you know things yes. like that. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I think the buildings well, we saw earlier, they're, they're certainly living up to, you know, well, they certainly look like a great winery sort of Oh, they're, they're stunning. Region, so, yeah. yeah. So that's about the only thing. So I would say in the, you know, let's call it six and a half million dollars, I would say about, you know, $6.2 million have gone into this region and been basically locally within, a, within about 100, 150 kilometre radius maximum. That is sensational. And you, you also have mentioned uh, earlier that the council have been very supportive and everyone's been you know, re really had your back because everyone wants this to wants this to work. Mm, I think the council, South Burnett Council, were amazing. Yeah. Um, obviously, this had to get off the ground very quickly. A project like this, you would normally take you know, maybe up to a year and a half to mm. by the time you jumped all the hoops and got all your planning and engineering and that sort of thing done. And we were moving soil within three months. So. A um, couple of risks on our part, like we've had to do certain uh, some of the builds uh, under other categories, I'd call it, and mm. then we've got to go for impact assessment later, mm -hmm. which we're in the process of doing at the moment. So, yeah, a few little risks there, but um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it all works. Well, out. look, it's all very impressive, and I can't wait to see it when it, you know everything's come to fruition. Let's let's just touch on your wines for a moment, given we are the wine show. Um, and we will, of course, be interviewing your fabulous winemaker, Drew Mackey, uh, later on today. But uh, I'd love to hear from your perspective. Uh, what's, you obviously have a love of wine. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, oh, my parents always drank wine. Uh, and from a young age, I'd have little sips and all that sort of thing. And then uh, when they started the vineyard, I got into liqueurs. And at, uh, I think I was about 16. And at 16, you can't get your own bank loan. But my parents got a bank loan in my name. Uh, it was for $20,000. And I, I bought some fortifieds from Rutherglen. So I actually went mm. down to Rutherglen and I bought, um, you know, four different different ones from different um, different 
suppliers or yep, you know, wineries, um, yep. different wineries and um, I saw different qualities in, in the different ones but together what they made was amazing so I then aged that for a little bit longer in barrel uh, so that you know they, they came together and, uh, and then hand bottled that myself and waxed the tops and all that sort of thing and it was all said that it wasn't from our winery and that sort of thing mm. and at the same time we'd planted some muskets so I was starting to do some fortifieds um, over at Bramber Ridge which is where we initially got our wine made. And uh, yeah, I just I sort of went from fortifieds into you know drinking white wine, rosé, and then into you know my favourite is you know full-bodied reds now. But uh -huh. uh, I find as as you get a bit older, um, I'm yeah, big forty now. Um, you tend to probably not uh, not not drink as. Uh, you don't always look as at, at the full-bodied wines. I'm finding things like Tempranillo and, and, and just lighter styles, you know, sort of more that European style that seems mm. to be coming coming in vogue, I suppose, uh, Queensland especially. Like, we don't, well, today obviously is very much winter, but um, mm. we don't get a long winter here. And sitting down and drinking a big Barossa or McLaren Vale Shiraz in the middle of summer, it's yeah, just, it, just, it just doesn't work. It you know? doesn't it's, work. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're finding that we're just... And, and this is a hard thing to get people, to get consumers to actually try, is that they have to actually look at, say, our Shiraz and understand that it's not going to be a Barossa Shiraz, but what we're producing with Shiraz is still a great wine. Yes. But it's a totally different style and, 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 and a lot lighter, and, and it actually suits the climate. Yes. And I've sort of come to notice over the years, we've been planting quite a few alternate varieties and things like that. And if you look at where the variety comes from, and the style that it produces almost matches the climate. Yeah. So you get Tempranillo, you know, sort of that, that sort of bit warmer weather, you know, quite mm -hmm. similar weather to here. It's lighter, it's more vibrant, it's, um, you know, like, oh, I suppose I imagine, you know, in Australia, you're talking, you know, lamb chops on a barbecue, Absolutely. drinking Tempranillo. Fabulous you know, food, my salad and that sort mm. of thing, and you can drink it all year round. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, movement to do with um, alternate varieties, but I think what we're looking at here is that we actually have to create our own style. So there's Shiraz made all over the world, and you can still tell it's Shiraz, but here is very different to the characteristics else, so. are quite different. So yeah. can you actually explain uh, to, to a lot of people who haven't um, had many Queensland Shiraz, what are the specific characteristics of a Queensland Shiraz? Well, it's not just it's not just Queensland in general, because Stanthorpe, for example, or the Granite Belt is a lot cooler climate so sure. they're more intense uh, that's something we, we get great fruit flavors but we're doing a lot with Shiraz Viognier mm. uh, but not as much skin contact a lot lighter fruit driven and mm. again designed for the sort of weather that we have 95 percent of the yes. time yes yep um, things like Tempranillo um, yeah another great variety up here Saparavi is possibly going to be our answer to Barossa Shiraz mm -hmm. uh, much bigger heavier bolder wine and uh, I'm finding that's working here possibly better than what I'm seeing down south so yeah there's some interesting things there Viognier unbelievable here oh uh, yeah we're drinking oh. one now and it's glorious barrel fermented barrel yep. aged and that's possibly what I would say is our answer to good Chardonnay absolutely um, and again a bit more fruit driven um, than, than Chardonnay so yeah, I think look, rosé is going really well here too, mm. um, and again, perfect climate. Yep. Yeah, and so. what do you make your rosé out of? So and originally we used to make rosé out of straight Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm -hmm. We're now doing it out of Saparavi and Cabernet. Nice. Saparavi, very hard variety to get the colour right because it is so. Uh, Saparavi basically means ink or black in, in yes. um, Georgian. Georgian. So, 
so we've had a little bit of struggle the first year, Drew and I nailed it, or Drew especially I suppose, uh, and then next year we've had a little bit more Saparavi because of the flavours it was producing, mm -hmm. but the colour's a bit richer, so right. we've just got to look at, we've got to be very careful with Saparavi to do with colour. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to trying that rosé, which I will after this Viognier, um, but on the Saparavi, uh, my husband and I, we had a beautiful meal here at Dusty Hill Tavern last night, a glorious lamb address, and we shared a bottle of the Saparavi. Yeah, beautiful. And look, it was a 2020. Yeah. And, you know, you, I, I could have sworn that it had been in that bottle for five years. It, mm. was, it was glorious. And you're right, it, it is quite an answer to, to the Shiraz, to the Barossa Shiraz. There's a lot of depth to it and a lot of complexity, but it's, it's such a delicious wine. Yeah, we're, we're, we're releasing wines a lot earlier, which, which everybody is, but again, I think, um, we don't have that depth of fruit flavour that you're getting in the cooler climates or, yeah. or, or in, on the other extreme uh, that you're getting in, say, in the Barossa. You know, their days are 50 degrees and mm. almost getting dehydration in the berries. That mm. They're almost getting a rack-dried character. Um, so, yeah, I, I find that even the Saparavi, we, you know, we're only managing, you know, six to nine months in oak and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, and that's enough. And, yep. and they're good. Good drinking, yeah, really good drinking. So. Yeah, and look, your, your Viognier's are sensational. I had, had a few different different ones uh, last night in your very state-of-the-art uh, building down there. We've got 18 steel vats in there. Um, it's it's quite a big deal what you've got going on. Mm, mm. Uh, the other the other problem with wine is you only get one go a year. So yes. in, you know, a couple of these years lately have been we've had drought and things like that, and we've had too much rain, floods. Mm. Uh, so you only get one turn a year. What we're trying to do is we've got some a lot of sort of smaller tanks to to uh, do some trials in. So yep. we'll do do smaller batches to see how they turn out. So we've got yeah the 18 tanks are sort of our main tanks, and then we've got a lot of, a lot of little three to six hundred litre tanks to just do little trials in, which are yes. very hands on. So a lot of foot stomping. Um, we've yes. also put a big cold room in to take picking bins for foot stomping and, and small small lots uh, or small batches and. Um, that's getting really interesting too because then you can you know obviously take a lot of notes and working out what this one's doing and how that works and what works better and yes yeah it's quite exciting um, so I actually also tried one of your beautiful 2010 uh, muskets last oh yes, night yep. it was glorious yeah so I've been making liqueur that would have been average age um, probably sitting around 16 years of yeah. average age um, the I think I've been doing musket now since about 2001, uh, maybe 2002. Mm -hmm. So uh, some are blended back in, but our average age is sort of sitting around that 16 years. Uh, and we also do fortified Vidello. So it's, um, that's looking really, really good too. And Vidello grows very well here. It makes yes. a great white wine. Um, and yeah, it does an amazing fortified. So It really does grow well here, doesn't it? I have heard that the, uh, the South Burnett region has a very similar soil and climate to the Hunter Valley. Yes. And of course, Vidello and, and Semillon grow so beautifully in the Hunter, so mm. it kind of makes sense that they would here as well. Semillon's an amazing variety mm. here, uh, but Semillon's hard to sell. It's, uh, it's yes. a wine that, uh, it's a winemaker's dream wine, but uh, but not a lot of people drink it. It's, yes. uh, you'll find a lot of Semillon Savion Blanc because that little bit of Sav Blanc in there will help yep. help uh, help get into people's bags, I suppose. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, Semillon on its own, beautiful wine, but, uh, but it's not a not a great seller. Did I notice that you had like a 2001 out there? Yeah, we, we do do the odd museum release and we're mm. looking at doing more of that. Uh, 
one of the biggest problems we're having, we're running out of wine. So as business is growing, we're actually, we're running out of stock. So, yeah. so I think we've got two wines, on the, two white wines on the shelf at the moment, whereas normally we would have about six. Sure. So, uh, we're still about three weeks off bottling though. So sure. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a good problem to have. It um, is, it's a very rare problem in this industry right now. You know, most people I talk to are saying the absolute opposite. Mm, um, yeah. Not not all, but, but most, so yeah, it's, if things seem to be working really well for you. I think one of the things we, not that we've gone away from wine, but we're, we're more wine tourism. So we're, mm. we're basing the whole business on, on getting people here for a whole experience rather than just about wine. And, and I think this is where this region slowed down a little bit uh, in the early 2000s, about 2005 when the wine glut happened. Uh, at one point there was you know, 15 cellar door outlets in the area, but mm. nothing else. There was nowhere good to eat, there was nowhere to stay. Mm. Now we've sort of come in, there's a few wineries have survived and, and are still going really well, but they've sort of changed their direction and we're more about food and beverage and, and, and the whole experience. Yes, yeah, and that, that's what you do need. I mean, you, want, you don't want to attract a couple, you want to attract a family. Mm. And you want to attract families and their friends and to turn into a weekend. So where there is wine, there needs to be food. Yeah. Where there's food, there needs to be dessert. Where there's dessert, there needs to be coffee. And it's just all these sort of things and you need the accommodation to keep them in town. Mm. So it needs to be like the one-stop shop and that seems to be what you're doing really well with the bakery, with the pubs, with the accommodation, with the cellar door. You're at the conference center, you, you know, it's, it is the one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of weddings and, and the beauty about the weddings here is that uh, after the ceremony, the guests can just come over to the tavern, have a few drinks, they don't have to go anywhere. Then mm. they walk over to the ceremony, uh, to the uh, reception. Um, the reception area is not not messed up. They just everyone walks in at once, and it's all tidy still, and it works really well. And, and then soon, with all this accommodation, people don't even have to leave the property. So yeah, yeah. that's right. So where do you find the most of the tourism coming from? Is it is it Queensland? Is it Australia-wide? Who are they? Uh, obviously, during COVID and when restrictions opened up, we were getting a lot of um, Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, mm. Toowoomba. We, we're quite lucky where we are. We're, we're sort of a two and a half hour radius. So Toowoomba's two hours, Harvey Bay's two hours. Mm. Obviously, Bundaberg, all that sort of areas tick over two and a half. Brisbane's um, two hours. Two and a half, yeah. Mm. Sunshine Coast, two. So yeah. Noosa's hour and 45 minutes so yeah. we're starting to to get more you know um basically i, I suppose that that radius is, is uh, our main business at the moment yeah. yeah right well look joe this has been sensational and it is a little bit of a, a bit of a twist on what i would normally do with the wine show but i wanted to speak to you about these fantastic developments because they are stunning mm. and you know in 12 months time when i'm back and having a bath on the, the, <laughs> on veranda, the veranda of that beautiful of cottages, cottage yeah. <laughs> overlooking the beautiful Barambar Lake on either side. It's, um, it's a very special place and what you're doing, and you're only 40, I mean, you, you're doing pretty well, mm. producing great wines, all of this. It's um, congratulations. Yeah, cheers. And uh, so yes, thank you very much for your time. I'm looking forward to uh, interviewing Drew and uh, doing some more tastings of your beautiful wines later. That'll be good, enjoy. Thanks very much, Jack. Cheers. <laughs>